0: It's the Fan Midday Show here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan from the drivehubler.com studios. I'm Will Haskett. He is Jimmy Cook. Somehow we found a way to fill an entire hour of the show already just talking about the NFL draft in Indianapolis Colts. (laughs) I'm telling you what, we're either good at our jobs or we got nothing else to talk about. Let's talk (laughs) more drafts, shall we? (laughs) The dean of Colts Reporting is with us You know, from 459 everywhere. I mean, he's all over the place. He's Mike Chappell. Hey, Chappie, how are you? How are you guys doing? Fantastic. I'm going to pose a question to you I posed to Jimmy in the last segment. Now that we've got 12 draft picks, we kind of think we've filled some gaps for this roster moving forward. If you were to have your say, you could go into a lab right now and build one type of football player, one position to fill whatever that last need is that you think this roster needs, what would that be for the Colts?
1: Well, I mean, the crying need is a right guard, but, but, if I could if I could plop any player on this roster be a pass rusher oh, uh you know I mean, Eddie. I mean I mean I mean I mean you know a Freeney Mathis type of guy uh, they've got a lot of, they've got good depth at the position a lot of bodies who've done things but there's not one guy you can say yeah this guy can get us 14 15 sacks so that's primarily the number one but but a right guard, and I still would like to sit another the receiver. <clears throat> I'm not satisfied with the receiver group, even with uh, the draft pick kid. But uh, they fill a lot of needs. But, again, they draft three corners, and it's crazy to think that three corners are going to make a strong impact. I think Juju Brents is probably going to start uh, alongside – Isaiah Rogers and Kenny Moore, but they address... The only way to say did they have a successful draft three or four days later is if you look at this is what they needed in our perception and did they address those positions? Not necessarily the player. Who knows? I mean, no one knows if Richardson's going to be a legitimate franchise. No one knows. You won't know until two years probably but for the most part, uh, they they addressed w- what a lot of us thought were needs with players. So at least they did that.
2: Chap, the other exercise that we had done was of this draft class. How many do you anticipate will make the fifty-three man roster this year?
1: Oh gosh, out of twelve, probably oh seven. I don't know eight. And keep, and keep in mind what is it, a 15, 16-player practice squad, so it's really almost like a 69-player roster the way teams and even uh, the the Colts, they they use that practice squad. There's limitations and all that, but they will use these guys. So a bunch, I, I think a lot of them will, that they're high on these guys. Now whether a couple of these guys they took with the idea that they need a year of seasoning, I don't know. I think probably seven or eight of these guys will be on the 53-man roster.
0: Certainly, Mike, we don't know what some of these players could end up becoming, and, and this is now the time where we just have to wait see what they look like in OTAs, get to training camp. I mean, there's a million questions that are going to be answered in terms of their performance. But when you look at the type of players that were taken, not just the quantity, but the quality of those traits that were going in, did you sense or feel any sort of a shift in terms of the business operations of rostered management that we've seen from this team over the last four or five years based off of the type Type of players that they selected?
1: Well, not as far as that. you know athletic players. I mean, that's you know go back and look at, at Shaq and people like that. They, they've really they've always gone on traits. <clears throat> While we were talking to Ed Dodds, you know, Bowler's right hand man, and he said that you know s- some guys are are so big and so fast that it's hard to fail. That you think they're going they're going to make it because of that. You know, we'll see. I mean, it's it's th- this isn't a you know, it, it, it's not a decathlon what we're playing or whatever. It, it is football, and and we'll see how it plays out when they get not necessarily in no OTAs, but certainly training camp when they're out there really, you know, going against each other. But it, it's, it, I mean, it's well, we all wrote about it. It's this the RAS, the Relative Athletic, you know, stat that and all these guys were off the charts high. Most of these guys were, and a couple of them were incredibly so. So you know, it's one of those that the, at the least these guys have, the physical attributes to succeed. Now whether that totally translates onto the football field, we'll see. Most of these guys had tremendous success individually and as it with the team in college. I'm interested in a couple of the, the undrafted guys, uh, the kids from Cathedral. Is it Emil Ikior? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering his name, but. He's a guard, and he needs a guard. So we'll see. Uh, it, I guess it's a little bit of concern why he wasn't drafted. And if they thought that highly of him, they would use one of their late picks on him. But, yeah, by and large, I, I, it, the only thing that was a little different is that they, they, they took the Downs kid who's like, I don't know, what is he, five four. I mean, I'm not exaggerating, <laughs> but he's a small, quick guy. And generally, they've gone after bigger guys this is this body type is probably Shane Steichen who's who's told reporters. I know he did it at the owner's meetings for the, some of those guys that he liked a variety of players at the position. They sorta of got that with Isaiah McKenzie and this kid's a little smaller. Uh, but he's supposedly really quick, quick out of breaks and, and yards after the catch. So they they want you know, they had the big guys with Pittman, Pierce, and Strawn, and now they want to try to to mix it in, so that may be something that they might not have done in the past. Other than that, no, it was kind of by their by their book, and and except for a couple positions, it's worked. I mean, they, they've certainly not not been successful at quarterback in free agency, and they they've really not done well at left tackle and pass rush. But there are a lot of other really, really good draft picks, and a lot of them have those uh, athletic crates that they really prefer.
2: The Dean, Mike Chappell of Fox 59 and CBS 4, taking some time with us here on The Fan Midday. So, Chap, I'm with you. I had said that if I could you know, plop any type of player in there, it would be another elite-level pass catcher. I stressed kind of more towards the tight end because I, I feel like a do-it-all tight end, albeit hard to find, hard to develop, can benefit – any quarterback tandem when you look around, you know, what works in the league right now, but I'm with you there that the receiver room, I would like to see more improvement there. Also, when you look at how they went about attacking this draft and obviously getting Josh Downs in the third, taking Will Mallory in the fifth, would you have liked them to attack pass catchers more based on what they got out of this class? Or do you feel like that the needs that were taken consistently on the defensive side of the ball and the times they addressed the old line
1: were necessary necessary i probably would have preferred another offensive lineman sooner uh, because i think they've got to have two or three guys new guys contribute before the draft i thought they needed like three guys who weren't here yet you know, so the Freeland kid will be one. He'll probably be the swing tackle. But, boy, it's still such a thin group. And I I kind of think they've got a no, nothing based on other than how they've done it. I sort of think they've got a veteran free agent that they like that they're going to sign because I just don't like this group. I just, it's it's just no. too thin. And I, and I'd hate for Chris <laughs> Ballard to be talking in January. You know, well, I just kicked myself because the one area we didn't address was – and an and offensive line has cried out since the end of the season, even during the season, that it needed to be upgraded. So, But, but you know, it, it, it's funny. When I Stephen Holder asked uh, Ballard something on Thursday, I think it was, maybe it was Friday, about, you know, sort of what's your plan on, on the offensive line. He said, well, I'm not going to share that with you. That's not normally how he answers things. It was just a different answer. I, I don't know. But I still think they've got something free agency-wise that they might do, that they should do. And, you know, I keep going back to when they, the late additions of a Mark Lewinsky or a Chris Reed that were that were greatly beneficial to this team, those kind of guys. Uh, so I, I still would like to see the offensive line addressed in free agency.
0: Another thing in the offseason, Mike, that we're going to have to look at with this team is obviously going to be the development of Anthony Richardson. That's going to be the number one story in this market for this year, next year, three years from now. We're still going to be watching a young man develop into that role. Mm -hmm. Depending on where that development is when this team is getting close to breaking camp, where does he need to be? And let's say in relation to a Gardner Minshew for him to get the start? Because that's going to be the interesting debate, right? We had that debate actually in the first hour of, you know, if he's clearly the better player, then he starts. But where's the line of getting him game reps versus trying to go out there and have a a quarterback at that position that's not going to hurt your football team?
1: Well, I would say to have a quarterback – where the football team is not going to hurt the quarterback, <laughs> you, know, you, yeah. you, you yeah. better make sure your your pass protection is you know ten times better than it was last year. And I totally agree that with his mobility, he can escape some things. But go back through the years, and in, you a lot of times the most sacked quarterbacks are mobile quarterbacks because they run into pressure. One year, Randall Cunningham was sacked got a zillion times. Uh, so yeah, that's really going to be interesting because I, I, I think it's it's not wrong to project that coming out of camp, Gardner Minshew will probably be more ready to start than the rookie. He, he, he's been in the system two years. He's played. He's seen uh, just about everything. But if they believe that they can, that Richardson can play well. Protect himself, but run the offense. You know, they talk two or three times about simplifying the offense. At least Jim Ursay did. I don't know if Steichen did or not. Simplify the offense and, and find things he can do and then grow the offense as he plays. Now, if they just think he doesn't have a grasp of the offense or they have any questions about protection or whatever, then, then you wait. But again, we all were, we were in the press room, we were trying to parcel out the, the quotes and. You know, you got Chris Ballard trying to say, you know, tap the brakes a little bit, folks. And you know, you know, you you, you can't be Superman on day one. There's very few of those. But then he did say, you got to play. Steichen and Ursay were more. You know, you 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 get better by reps, playing reps, and you know, and Ursay said, you know, practice reps and preseason reps are fine, and pay attention in the in the meeting room. But you got to play. Peyton played every snap. As a rookie, might have played every snap for the first. Two years, maybe three years. I've got it stored away somewhere. But now he—he he was a little different. He just was, you know. He came into an offense that was pretty darn good. Offensive line was pretty darn good. But uh, they decided back then that the the best way for him to get better, better quicker was to play. People need to remember that uh, what they were three and thirteen his rookie year he still holds a record for uh, interceptions by a rookie, but he lost more games as a rookie than he did in college yeah. and high school combined. So and, and he knew that's what it was gonna be. Luck was a little different uh, you know, he takes him to the playoffs and and really with his with his brilliance in the fourth quarter. But if they believe that, that this kid is, is as ready as possible, and he's not going to hurt himself by how he plays. And again, like I said, and the offense isn't going to hurt him. I'm not going to rule out him playing right away. I kind of thought they wouldn't. All the talk you had heard leading up to the draft is that Stroud and Young were more NFL ready and that this kid with 13 starts and, what was it, 397 passes isn't. But Simplify the offense, and and, and with the off, off season and, and OTAs and in camp, I'm not going to bet the, against the kids starting uh, in September.
2: Hmm. Chap, you mentioned with Peyton you know, how successful that offensive line was, ready to go when, when he stepped onto the field. No more than two years ago, we were looking at the Colts' offensive line and, and saying similar sentiment in terms of how talented it was, how reliable it was, and obviously things, you know, totally went south last year. What is it going to take based on how it's constructed right now to them to get even half as close to form as where they were in the 2021 campaign?
1: Well, the three veterans have to lift their games quite a bit. You know, Quentin. I thought Quentin and Braden kind of got their act together later in the season. Kelly struggled most of the season. You know, and, and clearly the team anticipates – a new voice and a new approach in, in the room with Tony Sperano Jr. That is going to make a difference. And Bernhard Reimann has got to be up to to being to being up up to up to the task. I guess he can't be a liability. And I feel better going into this off season with him than I did with Fisher and certainly Prior. I mean, I, I thought Ryman showed some signs second half of the season are playing pretty well. The problem is, though, at left tackle, when you make a mistake, it's going to be a mistake that costs you generally. It's, it's just going to be something where the you know, the quarterback's going to get blown up or sacked or, or whatever. But they, they, have to, they, they have to have those four guys, the three veterans coming back and Ryman, play at a high level, and, and then you'll find a right guard. I, I, I never want to you know, discount guards, but I just remember with Howard Mudd through the years in the 2000s, he had always had strong tackles with Glenn and Adam Meadows and then Ryan Dean just Saturday in the middle, and he just found guards. Ryan Lilja and Jake Scott and, and on and on and on, he found guards. Uh, they ended up being good guards, but so, but, but they, they have to be hoping or faith, whatever the word is, that those three guys – Will will have strong bounce back seasons if those three guys don't play tons better. I don't see how this line is any better at all. I mean, I, I guess it can't get much worse. We talked to Ryan Kelly, and he said you go through the tape, and there was a lot of good things. Well, there were there were sixty sacks, and and the running game was hit and miss. <laughs> there were a few games where they ran the ball pretty well, but you know it's still a bottom line business, and. You know, sixty sacks. It's second in the league, but it was the second most ever by this franchise. When you when you when you reach those areas, you got problems. And to this point, the only thing they've done to address it is, is, is to draft a uh, Freeland, you know in, in the mid rounds. And I just think it's risky.
0: Mike Chappell joining us, Fox fifty nine, CBS four. The NFL is a 12-month business. They find ways to keep our attention from one month to the next, even when there's not actually games going on. Uh, the schedule release, I think, Mike, is coming up next week, so we'll party with that one, which is always, to me, the silliest part of the hype of the offseason. We already know everybody that the Colts are going to be playing. We just don't know when that will actually be. But I did bring this question up to Jimmy, is if this schedule is hard early or there's more road games than home games sort of early, should that have any impact on how you bring in your quarterback if it is indeed sort of a a 50-50 coin flip between whether he's ready versus Gardner Minshew? No,
1: I I think it's going to be If they believe he's ready, he'll play. You know, I, I I guess I'd have to see what the, what a really really hard schedule would be. You know, I, I still I, I keep thinking that the league's going to go with the Colts of Carolina. Then you got you know Young versus Richardson, perhaps. Uh, but but no, I, I don't I don't think I don't think so. I, I think this will be all predicated on on how the team believes Anthony Richardson is ready right to play. And how the offense is ready to play within with a quarterback because I, I really think they're going to know what they have with Minshew, I, you know, and and that's probably a good thing that that you know he's not going to win, you know, if he starts all seventeen games, you're not going to go fourteen and three with him. But I think he can keep you competitive. But you know the future the future is is the young kid and the young kid's got to play. And if they think he's ready to play, I think he plays
2: chap what are you most looking forward to or most focused on for rookie mini camp later in the week
1: oh not much really i mean well they don't do a lot as far as structured things it's more positional just to see him plug you just about to run around uh it'll be our first chance to see you know him on the field in person richardson and the other guys juju branson all these guys so We'll get a chance to talk to a handful of them so you get to meet them and find out kind of how they carry themselves. But you don't really take too much away other than this is your chance to really see Richardson in the uniform and, and, or at least a jersey and practicing where, where the big boys practice.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see them all run around. They're going to be fast. They're going to be able to jump really high, and their shuttle times are going to be fantastic. That's what we know about them right now. Whether they actually make the roster and have a big impact is still to be determined. Mike, thanks so much for the time and the insight. We always appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Chap. That's the great Mike Chappell. Catches work over on Fox 59 and CBS 4. Fan Midday Show here on a gloomy, craptacular day outside again in Indianapolis. With Jimmy Cook, I'm Will Haskett. Eddie Garrison over there making it sound good as always. We're still talking about Anthony Richardson what he's going to be. We're going to talk about it until we actually see him in pads. And that's going to be a while. So until then, we continue the hype machine on the fourth overall pick in that and help us with that. A man that is the king of hype. He is the anchor at ESPN SEC Network. You hear him him here on ESPN Radio. And he's the better looking of the duo that is on the air right now of ESPN feature group commentators coming up at the PGA Championship. He has won Peter Burns. Hi, Peter.
3: (laughs) I kind of wish it was uh, craptacular weather here in Charlotte because it's like, 68 degrees, perfect. So I felt like really bad not doing some kind of yard work right now. So like, like I'd actually trade you a little bit of the crapacular weather just to the fact that I would actually just be able to sit inside and do nothing for the rest of the day.
0: Yeah, it's so. not as bad as yesterday, but it's still not. It's still not <laughs> go out and play weather. You going over to Quail this week, by the way? PGA Tour in town. Uh,
4: I,
3: I'm I'm torn because like you know I don't know about you guys, but it's like a huge golfer. I love playing golf, but it's such a tease to watch golf. And the weather—I mean, the course is going to be great. This is, of course, one of those great, um, you know, kind of elevated, um, you know, um, groups as far as you know the amount of great uh, players that are in the field this week. But um, yeah, I'll probably make it out there one day. But then it'll just upset me, be that I'm like these guys hit it 335 yards and I can't even get it past 255. So,
0: yeah. Just turn on the radio. I'll, I'll have you covered on SiriusXM PGA Tour oh. Radio. We'll have the live play-by-play 12-6 to <laughs> Thursday and Friday. There's the plug. Alright, back to what I'm actually here to do today and that's talk football. Uh, Anthony Richardson, the real deal here in Indianapolis, or at least that's what the Colts brass is saying. You got to see so much of him in his really short tenure running the offense. Uh, just give me big picture thoughts when you saw him come off the board fourth to the Colts here in Indy.
3: I, I mean, Right off the bat, I'm happy for him because you know covering Anthony and covering football in Gainesville for the Florida Gators for a while. Like you just, he's a great kid, and I say kid because I don't even know if he's 21. I'm right, he's so young right now. And I look at it, and it's like you know, you know, I've watched a lot of them, but I haven't seen that much, and nobody really has, right? I mean, it's 13 games. It's not a huge sample size. I will tell you this: if I'm a Colts fan right now and you want to believe in Anthony Richardson, go put on the first Florida versus Utah game and you're sitting there going we found we found the next game-breaking quarterback. We found our next Patrick Mahomes, the guy that everybody's going to be excited about. That's the ceiling. Now unfortunately the floor is, you know, four or five other games where he struggled, right? Like he 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 had some issues with his accuracy, he had some issues even kind of the confidence building in himself. But what I loved about Anthony, will, and I think Colts fan will love about this, is the fact that he he's aware fully that he's a work in progress, right? This is not a cat that's going to come in here and go, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to take over. I'm going to win, you know, MVPs and this. He understands he's got a long ways to go, and I think that was maybe one of the maybe one of the traits that people didn't talk about enough when he got drafted over at four.
2: Peter, this one's a, a deeper hypothetical, but one of the debates we had last week on Friday after they take Anthony Richardson over Will Levis was Levis's free fall. And if Richardson was taken or Levis was taken instead of Richardson, would it have been a similar free fall when you were seeing all that play out for, for two SEC quarterbacks? Do you think it would have been any different of the Colts gone the other way?
3: Um, yeah, I, I definitely do because I, I thought Will Levis was exactly where he landed, a late first round, early second round guy, because you know, he struggled a little bit last year and the things that on tape, I just don't know what other how big his ceiling is, right? So, you know, I'm a firm believer had Levis gone four, that would have been a huge, huge jump because you don't you're not really looking at the potential Five years down the road, right? You're like, hey, he, can he come help us right here, right now? And I think you you do that as a you know early second round, late first round guy. Somebody was going to take a risk on Anthony Richardson because no one has st- seen the skill set like this, and no one's seen that small amount of film that when it pops, man, it it pops. I mean. You know, I used to play the NCAA football game for Xbox and PlayStation back yes, in the day, yes. and like you could build a football player. Like, if you were building the football player for 2023, you know, on in the NFL, you're building Anthony Richardson as quarterback. So, um, somebody was willing to take that jump, and it takes a strong owner like Jim Ursay to say, "Listen, we're rolling that way." Now, the question is, is how does he get reps? That's my biggest concern. Because, you know, it's almost like in a perfect world, guys, if you had minor league baseball and minor league football, you would throw him out to double-A ball and say, hey, go work in your game. When you're ready, we'll bring you up. But it just doesn't work that way, especially when they're fourth pick of the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, by the way, to show that video games aren't real, I made Indiana a dynastic multiple national yes. championship winning program oh. yes. on NFL f- on NCAA football back in the day. I would
3: take like Perryview, a oh, yeah. you know, and and <laughs> yeah. just be like, I would redshirt Heisman by year eight. Like, I am so fired up for that game to be back. Simulate
0: seasons both. just so you can do yeah. the recruiting. That's what I would do. i just simulate the games. I didn't actually play the actual games. There's a winner to go out and recruit. Peter Burns joining us from the SEC Network. Okay, let's play out this hypothetical in a different direction. Anthony Richardson doesn't declare for this draft he stays one more year at florida what was what would we be talking about with him? Because right now it's all on potential, right? If he's coming back to Gainesville for a team that had it wasn't a great season by Florida standards because of the up and yeah. downs of that, what would it have looked like? What what kind of were the rumblings around the bad games, the bad game film, if he were to, say, come back for another year of seasoning in college?
3: This what's crazy about it, Will, and that's why he's such a, a an interesting topic, you no know, matter if it's you're here in Indianapolis or just NFL and college football in general. There was a lot of people in Gainesville that were happy that he moved on that said hey man this is we just need to go in a different direction he wasn't the quarterback for us and you know I found that to be interesting the last time I I even heard anybody talk about that was a little bit with Jamarcus Russell There were rumblings at LSU going man he's got a cannon but maybe we could run a a different offense without Jamarcus and sure enough he didn't work out uh, the right way now I think that had a lot more to do with Jamarcus than it did Anthony Uh, as I think Anthony has kind of learned from those guys that have, that have made mistakes before him. But um, yeah, I mean, I think Florida wouldn't have been that much better, but that's not necessarily an Anthony Richardson deal. That would have been more of the talent surrounding him. I mean, the last kind of quote unquote project, you know, you talk Trey Lance, you talk Jordan love of guys that projected to be good, but we haven't seen it yet. We got to keep in mind, Josh Allen was a pretty damn big prospect as well, right? Like coming out of Wyoming, similar per, per, uh, completion percentage, bad numbers at Wisconsin, and you're like, all right, well, can we teach him things? I think it worked out pretty well for the Buffalo Bills.
2: Peter, when you look at Anthony Richardson and the things that he still needs to work on, Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard made it out that most of it's mechanic-based in terms of the accuracy. It can be fixed. When you look at his age, his build, everything about him that he needs to improve on, would you start in week one?
3: Absolutely not. I don't know if I'd start him week one of, of 2025, I mean, of, of, of the next year. I mean, again, I think the thing that he needs, and even Ballard had talked about it, and even Ursay has talked about it, he needs reps, right? You, you, need, you need an opportunity. It's like a golfer. Uh, like, you need to go out there and play as many competitive rounds as possible. That's the issue. Like, do you get that competitiveness in practice? I don't know you really only get the game experience by going up in the game. Um, And, I mean, Will, as a golfer, you'll appreciate this. Like, he's a guy that can shoot 65 from the members' tees, but he can also shoot 81. And now you're asking him to go play the tips at Bethpage Black every single week and and shoot under par. Like, does he have the talent? Yes, but he doesn't have have enough kind of reps, and that's what he's going to get. And that's why it's going to be fascinating to see how they, they manage his
0: yeah, and sadly, the only place to get reps is on the actual field against NFL opponents. It's going to be it's a, it's going to be a fascinating conversation leading up to it, uh, Peter. I'm sure you also expected us to just fire and pepper questions at you about fifth round draft pick Darius Rush from South Carolina. As I'm looking at SEC <laughs> picks of the Colts, but g- can you get me anything? I'm, I'm just looking at SEC guys the Colts took, and I'm trying to get play to your wheelhouse right here. Do you think there's a a steal here? This team needs corners.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, this is, this is a situation where, you know, Shane Beamer had loved Rush, and, and, and again, he, the problem was was that he was not normally at the number one cornerback, right? Like, he wasn't going to be the lockdown. J.C. Horn, to a certain extent, was going to be that guy. So the question was, was, hey, was this guy a, a part where you can put him into some nickel-and-dime packages and he could be a special teams player and, and eventually bring him up? I mean, he wasn't a lockdown guy from the get-go, but then he wasn't asked to be as well. So, I mean, again, they've seen kind of the best of the best. And, and, and there's a reason why the SEC has done extremely well in the drafts, not because of SEC bias, not because of idiots like me talking about them on, on television. It's because when it comes down to it, GMs understand that they play a mini miniature version of the NFL each and every week in the SEC. And one of those guys like Rush is ready to do it.
2: ESPN's Peter Burns with us here on The Fan. Peter, I'm going out on a limb here. I know you and I don't know each other, but uh, but I'm trusting you here. (laughs) Will you explain to our mutual friend Will Haskett why he's wrong to be dismissive of the content machine, nay, animal that is NFL Schedule Release Day next week? Stop.
3: I mean, so wait, Will? You you're not a fan of it? Is no, I, what I'm understanding. I,
2: I'm gonna take
0: one month off from the NFL. Who's and gonna the, play on Black Friday? Friday Will? I don't wait,
3: need. Why do, you, why do you hate fun? Why do you hate rumor <laughs> and conjecture? Like we got it, Will. We're gonna have to get you a new job if if that's the case. Hey, like this is our lifeblood. Like Peter, the SEC softball game tournaments game going on at the fun. same
0: time. It's better. SEC softball tournament's better than the NFL draft release. Come, uh, on. I mean the NFL uh, schedule, uh, so the release. schedule release. Yeah.
3: Well, listen, I would joke around about it, but we do the same thing in the sec and i mean there's two things right now the nfl is king and so we saw that for three months of of people talking about the just the damn draft and there's going to be people talking about the schedule release And again i i i question when we did it at the sec network like really are they going to have people like tuned in and then you see the numbers that you can give any type of content absolutely i'm all i'm all in for it well so, you got
0: cooked <laughs> while Thanks, this well this might be the last time i ever fill on in this show this is definitely the last time we ever have peter on this this program well, peter you welcome I'm back anytime if i'm part of you it you
3: got what you paid for you got what you paid for now the only problem with will is that it'll come into the PJ championship when he is just like like absolutely lapping me with his coverage and i'm the one behind the scenes that i'm like please teach me the how to do this um so this is the only time i can get over on will because he's got me together 364 days of the year
0: uh how many more georgia bulldogs will the eagles have on their roster next year
3: freaking pipeline i mean that's should the philadelphia eagles just sign an nil deal with georgia athletics yes and like and say (laughs) we're going to uh, all joking aside you want to get really crazy with name image and likeness will we ever get to a point where the players will get part of the television revenue in college, and then we might have a situation to where, hey, guess what? The rights to Anthony Richardson are with the Colts, but the Colts want him to still play at Florida next year, and they're paying his salary to develop. That would be a crazy development in two or three years that we would never think was possible. But if you're thinking real outside the box, I'd love to see that development. Can
0: that happen in the current structure, or do we have to have a breakaway from the NCAA for that to happen?
3: Well, it's not necessarily an NCAA thing. It would more be an NFL thing as well. So it would have to be a Players Association deal. But in the past, none of those discussions could ever happen because no one could pay an athlete to do such a thing. But if the NFLPA and the NFL got together with, whether it's the NCAA or anything new, uh, the governing body of of college football, could you ever look, maybe it's five, ten years down the road, and say, College football is a farm system. Well, why don't we handle the farm system like we do ma- Major League Baseball and just say, you draft a guy, you send him down when he's ready to go,
2: boom, he's up. How close are we in that same regard to the full-out destruction of the NCAA?
3: The thing is, is I, I think it's a negotiation period. I mean, listen, it's teetering, guys, but what's, I believe what saves the NCAA is how big of a contract they have with, the, with March Madness. Yeah. That if the March Madness basketball money went away, a lot of people would say, all right, should we just revisit and reimagine the NCAA? I know a lot of people in the NCAA offices. They're awesome. They nobody gets no. a worse rap no. than the NCAA 100%. about what they do in, in all their events. And I see it at Omaha every year. I mean, they work their butt off. The problem is is that they were ill prepared to handle a billion dollar industry surrounded by amateur sports. You yeah. can't treat Valdosta State the same as you treat Georgia and there's the issue where we're at right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I hosted the national collegiate water polo selection show last night after doing D three men's tennis in the morning. You can't tell me that those athletes are being exploited and there has to be a structure around to help them do it. That's a different conversation for a different time, probably over drinks. And we'll do that in a couple of weeks. Peter Burns from the sec network. Peter, thanks for joining us. I'll race you to Rochester in a couple of weeks.
3: Embrace the NFL schedule. Yes. It, it, just embrace it. Will never right. again,
0: never you, again. Peter. That's the great Peter Burns. All right. Well, we know where he stands on that. I knew I could on count one. on him.
2: Put myself out there. Mm. He hit one out of the park.
0: Oh, uh, we have a special guest on the line, Jimmy. Would you? Don't you do the honors? I mean, yes, I will. Okay,
2: gladly. The athletics, Bob Kravitz, with us. Bob, how are you, sir?
4: I'm good. Special guest. You guys running out of guests? What's yes. the deal? That's it.
0: <laughs> well, it was worth the wait. We heard, a, we heard uh, a big speaking engagement today. How'd it go?
4: Yeah, I, I spoke and uh, I didn't uh, drop any F-bombs, so I, I got to think it went well.
0: Good. Yeah, well, if you do that here, that's an FCC violation and I'm mostly on I know, I'm mostly I, on serious I, I radio and I, I I'm surprised I haven't cussed yet either. So like we're
4: do we, do we have a second 7 second delay?
0: Sure. We got the the dummy button's always over there somewhere. I think I've heard it okay. a couple of times in the last well, couple years. You know, I, so I, 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 I
4: did radio on that station for 2 years and remarkably I did not curse once. Hey, it's hey. one of my greatest it's something I, I feel very proud about.
0: Okay, so that is a great segue to a great question. At any point in time, did you mutter a curse word during 12 different selections by the Colts last week for any particular reason, either positively or negatively? No, I mostly slept. Okay.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I find the, 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 uh, the draft incredibly boring, except for the first round, because these are a bunch of guys who I've never seen play. You know, I mean... Juju Brent at Kansas State asked me how many Kansas State games I saw. Zero. So, uh, look, I I, I like, uh, based on what I have heard from people who uh, cover this stuff and understand it, I think it was a really good draft based on other people's opinions, not mine. Um, They got got themselves a lot of really elite athletes. And, you know, it's really going to be up to the coaching staff. Not only with Anthony Richardson but with the whole group um, to get them to you know put on tape the kind of performance that they expect them, from them based on their on their physical traits.
2: Bob, how much does it change if at all the way that you'll judge the Colts through this Anthony Richardson era when given the fact that two of the other top prospects are also in division from this very draft?
4: I expect nothing. Uh, you know, at least early on, and it's going to be an interesting, fun year because we're going to spend the whole year waiting for Anthony Richardson to get his, his opportunity. I do not believe he's going to start the opening game. I really don't you know. Jim Ursay mentioned that, but and and I've always believed, and I've talked to Peyton Manning about this, that the way to learn is by doing. But. You know, I I remember uh, Carr, uh, David Carr, from the um, Houston Texans. Mm -hmm. He he went out there and got his brains beat in uh, as, as a rookie and never recovered. Never recovered, never became the kind of quarterback they expected him to be. And so I think they've got to be really smart about how they approach this. You know, whether he starts opening the day, which I don't expect him to do, or maybe six games in, or twelve games in, they've got to be smart because you don't want to ruin uh, a kid like this. You know, it's look being a rookie is not easy. I mean, uh, Troy Aikman's Cowboys went one and fifteen his rookie year. Uh, I'll know, I'll, I remember covering a game in Cleveland when they when they came in. Uh, Peyton Manning was three and thirteen with Marshall Faulk and Marvin Harrison, so. It's going to take a while. This is a kid who's played 13 games, and I thought it was interesting talking to Ed Dodds uh, of the Colts the other day that he had to kind of be talked into it a little bit, um, and he, he had to be, um, you know, made comfortable by the fact this guy's resume is so thin. But man, he's got he's got the tools he's got the tools and we'll see where that goes
0: Bob Kravitz from The Athletic joining us his most recent article from yesterday is answering that very question when will Anthony Richardson see the field and the Colts having differing sentiments when it comes to that and as you kind of explored that question Bob we've been exploring it today and so much of it is generated by really the, the transparent nature of the Colts more recently and understanding hey we've got some room to go here we've got some growth that still needs to happen not just from the quarterback position and so now managing the expectations internally, externally, however you want to view it, in the lens, looking through that lens at Anthony Richardson, if this was a win-now team, you wouldn't be starting Anthony Richardson, but this isn't a win-now team. So how much much do we balance that in terms of our expectations of seeing him on the field? Yeah, I'm not
4: so sure there's a balancing act uh, to do here. I think I think if he takes the field at any point this season, that would be a good thing. You know, uh, I don't think you sit there and judge him as a failure because he fails to uh, start uh, on opening opening day. I just, I just think that Colts fans, this is not Peyton Manning, this is not Andrew Luck, this is a guy who played 13 games as a college as a college quarterback, he has got a long, long way to go. Maybe he'll surprise us. Maybe he'll surprise me. But I would not suspect that he's going to be uh, a guy who's going to be a difference maker at least for another two or three years.
2: To that end, Bob, and I know this is going to be, you already alluded to it, the conversation point throughout the entirety of this year and throughout the entire 2023 season. But when you look at a player as raw as he is with as few games started as him, as few snaps taken as him, how is that balancing act between knowing if it is just mechanical and the best trait for him or the best cure for him rather is starting right away or starting by week four? And how much of that is, okay, he's very young. If he's not learning the playbook, perhaps we do need to sit him for an extended period of time.
4: Yeah, I, I think he'll learn the playbook. I, I I think he's a smart kid. I think he'll be just fine. Uh, but uh, I think the mechanics take a while to to uh, to uh, you know to come around. And you know, I, I think he's his, his footwork. The little bit that I've seen of him, I mean, his footwork is a little dicey. Um, you know, the way he reads defenses, I think he understands them. Uh, I don't worry about that, but. It, it, it takes a while, and, you know, I mean, there's no sure thing here in terms of the way uh, you handle this because, you know, you look at uh, Mahomes, and he sat behind Smith for a couple years. You look at Ant- uh, at Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I, I would not be terribly disappointed if we saw a lot of Gardner Minshew this next season. And I think Gardner Minshew – by the way, is a pretty damn good quarterback. I mean, based on what he's done to the Colts over the years, <laughs> you, would, you would think he's Joe Montana. But uh, I, I, think, uh, I think, you know, it's important that they get uh, Anthony out there at some point, but I, I don't think there's any rush
0: tremendous lead in the most recent article Bob it involved Colts owner Jim Ursay I'm gonna do a fill in the blank here as it relates to the 2023 version of this team and it's its owner being one of the you know outspoken sort of I guess information yeah. givers of this program when when Jim Ursay
4: speaks blank when Jim safe speaks um Run for your life! Now, <laughs> I mean you know you've got you've got Chris Ballard saying don't crown him just yet, and you got Jim talking about getting him out there the first week. So you know, I to me this was a Shane Steichen yes um, decision. I, I think look, I think Ballard was on board. I think he was uh, he was good with with Richardson uh, early on, but. I think Shane Steichen looks at this kid and says, "This is um, uh, 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 what's his name? The, the, the quarterback for the Jalen Hurts. Sorry, the, it's, Jalen, it's Jalen Hurts on steroids. I mean, this this guy's got all the all the talent in the world. It's just going to take a while. And again, I, I think the more patient we are, the better."
2: Bob. Since you were, you know, like you mentioned, not as into or intense about the draft as some of us were, this leads Will's prediction to likely be right. Which is, does this mean I cannot expect a column from you reacting to the NFL schedule release next week?
0: Oh, I, I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Are you excited by the schedule release date every year?
4: Well, I always like to know where I'm going. Yeah. That that's logistics. That's a good
1: thing logistics uh, that matters
4: it's all about logistics yeah are we all are uh are they going to new england that's my question because i always got to be careful in new england they are they are going to new england next year that's, that's a, we don't know the what the date is but again. well uh, i'll uh i'll bring my uh <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll bring my defensive uh uh, I'll, I'll be good I'll just walk
0: that. around with an I'll air pump good. and you know right down the middle just walk with an air pump in your hand the whole time you know, you can get it for like <laughs> 399 at dicks or something I, like that you'll be I, fine
4: i just I, I just did this speech and everybody's asking me about the gate and i'm like good oh, yes God. yes it will it will never end how what, far in the okay. q a did that question come yeah there you go what's
2: that how far in the q a did that deflate gate question come or was it just before you spoke
4: uh, number three, yes. Number three. <laughs> <laughs> number three, yeah. What what happened to gate Oh Lord! Uh, I what I remember most about that whole thing. Not to bore you, but I went on with uh, Anderson Cooper and uh, on yes. CNN, yeah. <clears throat> and I almost called him Cooper. <laughs> I came this close. He's the oldest Manning. I caught my I caught, I caught myself at the last second.
0: Oh, so, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to take, totally derail this conversation then. So what what do you wish you were asked to speak about? Like if someone said, Hey Bob, we want you to come and speak to our group, but we would love to hear you talk about this. Something you've never been asked to, but you'd be like, man, I would really love to give a talk about this.
4: Actually I did. Uh, they asked me about the process. Um, you know, what you do at a game, uh, how you decide what to write about. Um, uh, I enjoyed talking about the process yeah. of sports journalism and because uh, you know that's what I do and i I find it intriguing not everybody does but yeah that 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 was kind of fun to talk about
0: yeah, I think that would be interesting i mean it, it's it's very easy to take somebody out of the public figure sector and just be like, hey, come and talk about yourself. And you'd yeah, be really me, surprised to find out what you do. Yeah, you'd be really surprised people would find out that we don't really want to talk about ourselves. Like, we would like to talk about something that fascinates us and would fascinate yeah. the sort of audience. So I'll ask that. What are you most fascinated by non Anthony Richardson about the Colts this coming season?
4: Well, you know, the the fact that they went after all these elite athletes and you know, you're like you know, Jim Ursay was saying, we're not we're not uh, drafting a track team, and yet at some point, that's kind of what they're doing. They've got a lot of guys who have not done it on tape, or they've got a few guys who've not done it on tape, but have all those measurables. And they're you know, they uh, were—we don't know what they what they have to offer. You know, Daniel Scott and these guys—they all look the part. They're going to look great coming off the bus, but. Can they play? And it's really going to be up to Shane Steichen and this new coaching staff to uh, to get them to get them right, to get them playing the way they wanted to get to get them playing.
0: Bob, always a pleasure. Love the the most recent column. I'm sure there'll be something to talk about. And make sure you uh, you put three thousand words in for the request for Jimmy's schedule release article <laughs> next week. They would really like that. <laughs>
2: I'll do that, man. Thanks, Bob. That's the great
0: Bob Kravitz.